There's a famous uh, quote from St. Augustine. St. Augustine is a very famous character, a very uh, important character in Christianity. He lived about uh, 13 or about 1500, 1600 years ago. Um, is the patron saint of this diocese, actually, and converted to Catholicism and, and, uh, and defeated different heresies and was a bishop. In one of his sermons on love, he has this really powerful little quote. It says, Love and do what you will. Love and do what you will. It's kind of a great openness in it. If you love, you can do whatever, whatever you might happen to will at that point. But I would challenge us that we want to make sure to not misconstrue this quote or our understanding of freedom. This is a quote about freedom, that love frees us to be able to do whatever we might will. But the world today and us included, don't often understand what love is and what true freedom is. In the gospel, we also don't at times understand who Jesus is or what he's calling us to. Um, the two kind of different um, extremes might be a Jesus who is just a judger who has come here to judge the world and condemn it. Well, Jesus says, I did not come to condemn the world, to judge the world, but to save it. And we see that a little bit today, where James and John are ready to call down fire from heaven, but Jesus stops them, says, no, not, now is not the time for that. Now, we do know that Jesus will be the judge at the second coming, but he's not yet. But we can also have the other extreme where we see Jesus as just a nice guy. As just kind of a Santa Claus. That kind of just is nice to everybody and, and meets you exactly where you are and keeps you there. Right? And lets you do whatever you might want to do or should provide whatever you might want to have. But that's not Jesus either. We see at different times in the Gospel and actually criticizing the Pharisees, making a whip of cords. And in this case, where he kind of challenges those who desire to follow him. And he reminds them and basically clarifies of what it actually requires to be a disciple of Jesus, to be a disciple of him, that it requires conversion, that it's not just all glory and peace and uh, contentment, but also at times suffering. The first person goes up to him and says, I will follow you wherever you go. And I think a lot of us as well similarly go to Jesus and say, Jesus, I believe in you and I want to go wherever you might have me go, right? I will follow you wherever you go. But Jesus reminds him because I think that this person is coming to Jesus with an idea of I'll go wherever you want to go as long as you provide housing, and all my food, and good vacation, and, you know, kind of an idea that's not in reality of where Jesus is headed to. He's headed to the cross. He's headed to, rede to redeem mankind through his suffering. And this man is not ready for that. He says, the Son of Man has nowhere to rest his head. 
that it's not just a peace to follow Jesus, but at times can be difficult and sometimes can be uncomfortable. He calls the other man, follow me, but he replies first, let me first go first and bury my father. Now, burying the dead is so incredibly important. It continues to be a, a corporal work of mercy and a spiritual work of mercy to pray for the dead. In the Jewish custom, it was even stronger, this importance to bury the dead, and especially your own father. But in this case, this man was using something that was good to, to put a wedge in between something that was even better. He wasn't actually wanting to go and bury his father. He just was trying to get out of actually having to follow Jesus. Well, yeah, I'll follow you, but first let me go bury my father and take care of my finances and my farm. And once I, you know, catch up on all this, then I'll follow you. No, follow me now. Follow me now. And we often do that ourselves, where we often take good things and make them wedges in between us and God and what He is calling us to be as disciples. It can be good things that prevent us from prayer, that prevent us from stepping out and loving those around us. It can be good things that prevent us from serving the poor or those who are in need. Because, well, we've got to take care of these other good things first. We've got to bury the dead. Well, yes, maybe, but are we sometimes using good things as excuses to not do the better things. And that's something that we always need to check ourselves and to be able to say, wait, is this an authentic call from God? Or is this something that's just trying to drive a wedge so that I don't have to be uncomfortable, so that I can try to take care of myself first? In the second reading, we hear that Christ came to set us free. And so do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. And what is slavery? Slavery, St. Paul speaks about at different times, is the law. But what kind of law is he talking about? Sometimes when different people interpret Galatians, they interpret this law as being any sort of restriction on freedom. So as long as I'm in the spirit uh, that I can do whatever I want. But that's not really the law that Jesus, or that Paul is speaking about here in Galatians. Because we see in another place that he says, the whole law is fulfilled in this statement, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. He actually gives us a law as he says that we're free from the law. So what kind of law are we talking about? Well, he's talking about the Jewish law that is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And so when we look at the laws of the church, they are not the laws that St. Paul is speaking that we're free from. Because those laws that the church gives, that Jesus gives, are the fulfillment of the old law that we're free from. We no longer have to be circumcised. We no longer have to keep kosher. We no longer have to keep certain Jewish laws that were there which bound us up to a certain degree and was a pre preparation for the fulfillment in Jesus Christ. But we still have certain things to guide us. And why? Is it so that are the church's laws and rules there 
to bind us up and to put us into slavery, right? Isn't that kind of the American idea? Anything that might, might limit me is slavery. And so I want to be free. I don't want to have anything hinder me. But that's not the intention of the law. The law is, in fact, the rule of the church is not to bind us up, but is actually meant to set us free. In what way? Well, we think about any sports game. Any good sports game uh, has rules and laws so that people can actually play it. If you've ever played a game with a little kid, it's really hard to play that game with them. Because, right, what keeps on happening? The rules keep on changing all the time. And, and you, can't, you can't really play. You, you want to play with them, but, but it doesn't quite work. Well, God gives us laws and rules so that we can play this game. Of course, it's not just a game to be played, but it's our life. And He wants us to be free in what way? Well, He wants us to be truly free. Truly free, not just in a freedom to be able to do whatever we want, but to actually be able to do the right thing. One, uh, I'll give two examples of true freedom. One example uh, is, is that I am free to play that piano. I don't have any limits, right? If I want to, I can play that piano. But I'm not really free to play that piano because I can't play any instrument, right? I'm not really free to be able to use that instrument in the way that it's meant to be to actually produce music. It would just produce noise. And that wouldn't be very much fun for anybody. I'm not actually free to play that piano in the way that it's meant to be played. I'm free to hit the keys, but that's not really free to play the piano. We look at sports as well, and baseball. Everyone is free to be able to stand at the plate and look at the ball and try to hit the ball. But somebody who is actually free who is the greatest free, is the most free to play baseball, is those who, are those who actually can hit the ball, right? Those are the best baseball players. Those are the ones who are most free. I can stand at the plate, but I'm not going to be able to hit the baseball. And so am I really free to play baseball? Well, no, because I can't really play. In the same way in our lives, God has made humanity to do something. He's made us out of His love, for His love, and to be love in this world. To love and do what you will. But not a love of the flesh, not a love of the world, but a love of the Spirit. That is truly free to be able to truly will the good of the other, and to be able to act completely free in that way. I look at some ways of the flesh that kind of bind us up. And we might say, well, I want to be free to be able to do what I want. Well, two examples of, or different examples of freedom of the flesh that actually enslave us, I would say, and that are, are good things in some ways, uh, are drugs, which, right, can enslave you. Uh, I think of also alcohol, I think, is a better example in some ways. Jesus' first miracle was changing water into wine. Alcohol is a good thing but it can be easily misused. And if we treat it as something to just be used and abused, it can actually cause a slavery of alcoholism, right? 
And so initially somebody might say, well, I'm free to drink if I want to. But then the question becomes, are they actually free to stop? Right? There's a certain point when perhaps it's not free to stop. And that's where we want to check our lives. Maybe we're not alcohol. Okay, uh, alcoholics, great. But are we free to actually act? Or do we allow this world and the spirit of the flesh to actually guide our actions instead of the spirit or the instead of guided by the spirit which which uh, guides us to freedom I look at kind of the question is you know at night do you turn on the TV because you want to and you're free to or do you do it because that's what you always do because you have nothing else you know, that that kind of just pulls you in, right? Do you eat that dessert because you're choosing to eat that dessert? Or is it because it's calling your name? Father Samuel, Father Samuel, right? Am I free to say no to that? And only if I'm free to say no to that, am I truly free to say yes? We ourselves have many things in our life that are calling us. Are we free to say no so that we can truly say yes? Are we truly free to love and to choose those things in our life? Or are we just kind of pulled along by the flesh? We come here and we are set free by Jesus Christ in our baptism. In the sacrament of reconciliation, we continue to be set free from our slavery to sin. And we continue to receive that grace here. To live like Jesus Christ, who is truly free in all things in life. Not just free to do what he wants, but to truly love even in the most difficult situations. We should see the greatest freedom in Jesus Christ, not when he was walking around and proclaimed as Hosanna in the highest, but we see the greatest freedom of Jesus Christ when he hangs on the cross and in pain and suffering chooses to forgive those who crucify him. That is where we truly see free love. And we are called to a discipleship similar to that, to be able to follow Him in any way, and to truly love and to do what we might will. But a will that is truly set in freedom and truly set in love. May we be those instruments of life, And come to Jesus continually and say, Jesus, I want to follow you wherever you might go and be truly free to be able to go wherever he might send us. 